Feels a little better. I want to start the service off with a little bit of sad news today. Our dear friend Dave Wig, as you may know, has been dealing with some difficulties with his health, and he did pass on, and he is with the Lord at this time, and we're praying for his wife, Jill, and and uh, his family, and anybody who's been affected by uh, his passing at this time, and uh, there will be details to come uh, about his funeral service and the viewing, and so we'll make that announcement at church as soon as we know, but we're praying for them, and we loved Dave very much. He, I do believe he was here before Pastor Tim even came up. He was here before Pastor Tim. And he had been a very loyal and faithful member of Cornerstone Church. And we are going to miss him so much, so much. But, but he is with Jesus, which is quite amazing. And the, de- the sting of death is gone. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, welcome to Family Sunday, everybody. I want to start off Family Sunday by giving parents some uh, wonderful, I guess I could call it ammunition or maybe things. I don't know what to call it. To give you some things to help with raising Christian children. All right. There's a few little things that my wife just recently started doing with our kids that has turned out to be really Wonderful. One of them is uh, when we're in the car with our kids, she'll play this game called the gratitude game. And I'll tell you about the game, and then you can play it with your children too, parents. But it's called the gratitude game. And, and you can play this game really on, a, on any drive or any time in the house. But on the drive, it seems to fit well. But because we're r- driving around and, and you ask your kid a question, maybe you got multiple kids in the car like we do. All right, kids, what are you thankful for today? And you'll be very interested to hear what they say back to you. And, uh, and then you can say along with that, oh, why are you thankful for that? So your kids might say something like, well, I'm thankful for my mommy and my daddy. Why? Because they make me great lunches or they tickle me or they wrestle me or you know, they, they play with me and all these things. And, and what else are you thankful for? And let's hear a different answer today. And you'll begin to kind of hear the heart of your child. And you can then as a parent say, well, what about, you know, are you thankful for Jesus today? Are you, are, and you can bring up other things that you, they might be thankful for. They could possibly be thankful for as well. You can do that with your kid. Another one, um, do you remember cootie catchers when you were growing up, parents? Cootie catchers? Huh? This is a, uh, a, a prayer cootie catcher. Okay? And we know cooties are real, so this is applicable to all of us today. And this is a, a prayer cootie catcher, and I'll teach you how to make this, parents. It's pretty simple. But uh, instead of putting your, the names of your crush, huh? Right? Ladies? Girls? Instead of putting the names of your crush on the cootie catcher, you're going to put these four words. You're going to put praise, bless, thank you, and please. Praise, bless, thank you, and please. And so your kid will pick one, and you spell it out, you know, P-L-E-A-S-E. And then they choose a number, oh, five. One, two, three, four, five. And they pick another number. Oh, let's just go with two. Okay? And then you open it up, and it says the name Charlie. It's the name of one of our kids. So you write your kids' names in there. And what they have to do is, since you wrote the word please, and then you picked Charlie, you got to, what do they do then, Jen? 
Okay, you ask God for something for Charlie. So you say, what would you like from God, Charlie? What, would, what kind of prayer question or request that you might have from God? Oh, please, God, I pray that you would you know, help me do well on my math test. Oh, please, God, I, I pray that you help me have a better attitude at dinner time when, I, when you ask me to eat my broccoli, Mommy. And, um, and so if they do praise, then they, then they give praise for something. If they choose please and they ask for something, bless is something that they uh, uh, maybe want to pray a prayer blessing over you or a thank you prayer. Thank you. It's a, it's a prayer cootie catcher, okay? And uh, our kids really do enjoy this, and Jen makes these cootie catchers for them, and uh, I think they're really, coo- they're really great. But um, there you go. I hope I helped the parents a little bit today. Some ideas to get you going. Let's get into the message this morning. The title of my message is this. Is, are you ready for the next big thing? Are you ready for the next big thing? I was curious about why the disciples would drop everything and just follow Jesus. You know, the, uh, Peter is, is fishing in his boat with his dad. And so are James and John, and, and, and they're fishing in their boat with their dad, and all of a sudden, the scriptures just say, they, they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe help clean the nets first, maybe go back home, put the, put the boat back into the harbor, and, and, and have a few dinners with your family to explain to them that you're abandoning the business, um, and you're going to follow a man named Jesus that is not part of the family, and that they don't know who he is, and uh, they're just gonna. But it just seems as if they just dropped absolutely everything and followed Jesus. And you know what they did? The scriptures are true. They dropped absolutely everything in a moment and followed Jesus. Doesn't seem to make sense, both practically or literally. Well, you know the the truth about all this is what is that the word was out on Jesus. He, he was a child prodigy at the age of 12, became known and well-known for his talks with religious leaders at the temple. So word was out on who Jesus was. Everybody knew who Jesus was. He was baptized by, Ch- by John the Baptist, and afterward... After that baptism, many of John's disciples left John and started following Jesus. They all heard the voice from heaven that said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, they were waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. There was tremendous anticipation for Jesus. And they knew that the Messiah had arrived. Jesus, up to this point in his life, he had created quite the reputation. This is pretty amazing stuff. Up to this point, and so when he began to call young men to follow him, these young men were eager and excited. We must think about this whole situation and maybe think about Jesus like this. Imagine a big up-and-coming, successful pastor, doing a wonderful work somewhere in the United States. Church is growing like crazy, and he needs to build his staff. And he catches wind of a young man of God, 
at a church or, or in a community and he calls that young man up and says, come and I'm going to hire you to be on my staff. And that young man would drop everything to go on that staff. Maybe a young man who was married with some little kids, lived a thousand miles away, got invited to be on staff at a church that was growing like crazy with a wonderful pastor. They would drop everything and move the entire family across the United States to join that church's staff. People f- constantly drop everything and grab a job or hop on a, ho- hop on a career. It's, it, it wasn't odd. It wasn't weird that these young men would absolutely drop everything to follow Jesus. Wow. Jesus was surrounded at times that got to remember who Jesus was. He, he began to be surrounded at times by so many people that he would have to slip away or run away or hide. He was really like a rock star. He was very famous, but also very humble. Very humble. This is why our Jesus is so amazing. Born in Nazareth, poor. Very likely, his home in Nazareth was a cave-like home in the side of a mountain with a dirt floor. He learned as a child how to read and write just as you and I had to do. Remember, he was fully human and fully God. He had to learn how to read and write. But he was very smart as a child. We see that in the scriptures, too, with a few stories. He was patient. He could have gone around as a boy doing miracles, tricks, magic tricks. He could have done all that, but he didn't. His father, we learn that his father had died when he was young. We don't exactly know when, but young enough to where Jesus had to begin to take the role of leader of the household took on the family business, began to provide for his mother, Mary, and his brothers who were younger than him. So he takes on the responsibility of his family. An unexpected death in the family has caused an unexpected turn in the life of Jesus. That we see here that Jesus was loving and caring and kind and generous and patient with his life. That he takes on the family business. And some scholars even say, and I truly believe this as well, that Jesus' ministry would have started sooner if his father would not have died. But he had to work the family business until his younger brothers were old enough to then take his place and begin to care for the family and their mother and take care of their mother Mary as well. So he had to delay his ministry to take care of his mother and his brothers. Like I said, Jesus was wonderful and kind and patient, caring, loving, respectful, fully God, yet fully human. Finally, he went off on his own when the time was right around the age of 30. And everything he did in his life, absolutely every decision he made, everything he said, every miracle he did, everything he did in his life pointed to one thing. Pointed to one thing, and that was to rescue you and rescue me from hell. Amen. Amen. Everything he did and everything he didn't do. 
because he chose not to do things too. Gave him the reputation with people and made him the perfect spotless sacrifice. When I was a young boy, it was a Wednesday, it was summer, it was a Wednesday, and I had a, a few friends in the neighborhood who came up to my house and said, we're going to go into the woods, we're going to go play, do you want to go play with us? And I, and I asked my mom and dad, can I go into the woods, can I go play? And my dad said, yes, but you can't play long because we're leaving for church real soon and you can't get dirty. I said, okay. And I ran off into the woods and we ended up connecting with some older boys. And they ended up taking us down the path of the woods that I had never been down before. Started turning right, turning left. The trail would split and they would make a decision and go. And at one point in time, we had made so many turns that I realized, I don't know how to get out of here. I got to stick with these guys. I didn't say anything out loud, but I started to get scared. And then I started to get nervous and anxious because I realized I have to get out of these woods very soon because my family needs to go to church. And my dad told me, you can't play in the woods long. Well, we started making turns. We started going down paths that I had never been down before. I didn't know how to get out. And I finally spoke up and said, I need to go home. I got to go. I got to go. I need to go home. Can you show me out? And this one young man who was much older than me got an evil look in his eye. And he looked at me and started laughing and said, I'm not showing you how to get out. Oh, fear, anxiety, stress, the levels began to rise. I said, please, you've got to let me out. I, you don't understand. I got to go. We, we got to go. I, I got to get out of here. And he just laughed. And then he started walking down the trail. And I realized if I don't follow him, I'm going to be alone and lost in the woods. So I followed him further. He took me down past. I'd never been down before. We were so far deep into the woods. I began to cry. And the more I cried, the more he laughed at me. I was so scared. I was so nervous. I knew I was late. I realized at this point in time, now I'm late. I'm not at home. And oh, I, my, my dad is going to, he is going to be so angry at me. But it's not my fault. And I started running through conversations. And how do I communicate to my parents? I was lost. And it wasn't my fault. And this kid was bullying me. And he was laughing at me. And, and I, I'm, I'm so scared. I don't want to get punished. I want to get hugged. But I didn't know if my dad would react that way or not. I didn't know what the situation would be like when I got home. And, and, and I, was started, I realized at this point, I started panicking. I was so lost. I, had, I said, that's it. I made a decision. I got to get out of here. And I ran away from that, from that guy. And I started running around the woods, turning left, turning right, getting more lost. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice far, far away. Luke. That's my dad's voice. I heard my dad's voice, Luke, and I yelled back, Dad. He yelled back, get over here. And I was crying, and I was hysterical, and it was hard to yell, and I'm lost, I'm lost. Follow my voice, he said, follow my voice, and I would take a turn toward his voice, and I would listen for his voice, and I would take a turn. I finally found a path that looked familiar to me, and I, and I got out of the woods, and I ran to my dad crying, and he realized right away, right, without even speaking to me, with seeing me from a distance, this is a boy who's not been rebellious. This is a boy who's been lost and scared. And he ran, where have you been? We're late to church. 
I'm crying. It was this kid. He, he, he laughed. He wouldn't show me the way out. And I'm, I'm crying, crying. And I don't remember what happened after that. Just the, the story gets faded after that. But we went to church and we were late to church. But my father rescued me out of the woods. And, and, and I'll never forget that. The feeling of being rescued, of lost. And, and, and you know, we're all kind of lost without Jesus. And Jesus came to rescue us from being lost. You know, Jesus wants to rescue. His will and his desire is that none would go to hell. None. That's one of God's wills. None would go to hell. That none would perish. That's what he wills. That's what he desires deep within himself. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine eternity in hell. The feeling of being lost down there. And then you add torment. I was just simply lost in the woods. And the feeling of being rescued from simply being lost was a wonderful feeling. But then you would have had added torment to my journey. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Savior we have today, church. And are you ready for the next big thing? You know, Jesus is amazing. Wonderful. There's so much joy in knowing who Jesus is. Let's not forget the wonder. Let's not forget the joy of our salvation. I want to teach you today how not to lose that wonder, how not to lose that joy, because there's things that come into our life that want to snuff out our wonder. They want to, they want to, they want to drench our joy. When I was a teenager, I joined the youth group and it was called Ignited. And the youth pastor would say, we are ignited. God has set our hearts on fire. We're going to keep the fire burning. Ignited. God has set our hearts on fire. We're going to keep the fire burning. And there's things in life that want to put a bucket of water on our fire for God. Our wonder of God and our joy for God. And I want to talk about some of these things. And, and we got to do some things to keep the fire burning. Amen, church? I'm glad our youth ministry is still called Ignited. One of the things that we've got to do in order to make sure we keep the joy for Jesus and our wonder for Jesus, to make sure that we are new wineskins ready for new wine. Are you ready to be for new wine? If you're going to get new wine, you've got to become a new wineskin. Jesus himself said it. No one would put new wine into an old wineskin because that old wineskin has already been stretched by the fermentation of the grape juice. It's already been bloated out. It's already been, the gas has already stretched it out to full capacity. It's been stretched. So if you put more wine into it, it's going to stretch twice. It's going to rip. It's going to break. You're going you're gonna to lose your wine on the ground. All that hard work is going to be wasted. Who would do that? Why would anybody choose to do that? Just get a new wineskin. What's wrong with you people? Well, makes sense, doesn't it? And Jesus wants to pour out new wine. Why be an old wineskin? Why live in the past? Why, why be satisfied with last year's filling up when there's a brand new fresh outpouring for us today? Amen, church? So we're going to talk about how to do this. First thing you got to do is you got to get rid of idols in your life. And it's easy to identify an idol. What you worry about will become an idol. Worry will create an idol. We make an idol out of everything we worry about. We'll give our attention, time, money, and thoughts towards these things that we worry about. 
Luke 12, 22. Jesus says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. Luke 12, 26 says, and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Let me encourage you to spend your days accumulating things on the other side of eternity. Luke 12, 33 through 34, Jesus tells us to sell your possessions, give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your loved ones who have preceded you in death, who are waiting for you in heaven, are filling your home up with wonderful treasures. The doors and the windows are wide open to your house and people walk by every single day looking at that your house being built and are excited to add things into your home. And nobody's stealing it. And nobody's taking it. No rust is destroying it. It's waiting for you. Let's store up treasures in heaven. Let's think more about eternity than the 40 years we have left here. If I were to tell you today, I have an investment opportunity for you. It's going to live well beyond you. It'll go to your children's children's, to your children's children, to your children's 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 children. It's going to go a little bit further than that. And would you invest in that? Yeah, you'd be dumb not to. His name is Jesus. So how do you get rid of idols? How do you get rid of worry? Pray. If you're worrying about it, then let's be praying about it. Hmm. Prayer works. Prayer works. Luke 11, verse 8, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because you're shameless persistence. Ever had shameless persistence in your prayer with God? (laughs) We need some Christians who have shameless persistence in their prayer life. Who say, I'm I'm not going to stop praying for this thing until I see it happen. Amen? It's called shameless persistence. Jesus says, my heavenly father will answer your prayers, especially to those who have shameless persistence In their prayer life. He cannot help. You keep knocking, you will annoy him. He will finally say, I need an angel to go and just get rid of this. Just answer this prayer for crying out loud. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's talking about a person who who had a visitor come to their house late at night. They didn't have food ready for them. So they go to their neighbor's house and they start knocking. Do you have anything to eat? I have a, I just had a visitor. Do you have anything to eat? But it's late and they're sleeping. And the visitor and the guy will not stop knocking. I will not stop knocking. Will not stop knocking. And he says, 
hey, forget the whole friendship side of it. He'll just give him the food just to get rid of him because of this persistent, persistent knocking. Jesus says that's what prayer can be like with your heavenly father. I think that's pretty great. You worrying about something today? You got wor- you worrying about your finances? You worrying about your children? Are you worrying about your job? Are you worrying about your health? Are you worrying about something today? Begin to start praying about it and begin to have shameless persistence in your prayers and your heavenly Father loves you and he will answer your prayers. Amen. Amen. Another thing we got to do. We got to begin to take seriously the consequences of your actions. Those who desire to be a new vessel for new wine to enter them must realize that every action and every thought that we have is being recorded and will be judged. Let me encourage everyone today to simply be a better person. <laughs> Pretty simple message, but Lord, it is good. Hebrews 4:13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Jesus did nothing without the Father's approval. Nothing. When he quieted the storm, that wasn't to show off. He was putting faith inside of his disciples. When he flipped the tables in the temple, he was to warn the religious leaders of their actions. When he raised the dead to life, it was to show us that those who believe in him will never die. Every action of Jesus had a greater reason and a greater purpose behind it. Let's model that today ourselves. Let's let every word that comes out of our mouth have purpose behind it. Heavenly purpose. Let's let every single one of our actions have a heavenly purpose behind it. Every new vessel who is ready to receive new wine will take inventory of their actions and of their heart and really look into everything they do. Even a good deed, folks, even a good deed has some selfish benefit behind it. So be careful even about your good deeds. Are you doing good deeds just to get a good deed done back to you? What's the intent of even your good deeds today? Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you're going to lose your reward from your heavenly father. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Number three, another thing we got to do, we, you know, we got to do this, folks. We've got to have a desire to reach the world. Those who are new wineskins, they gotta have, you got to have a desire to reach out to the world. One of the great benefits of believing in Jesus is heaven. Amen? But that's not the, that's not the goal. Because if that was the goal of all of humanity, was to just simply believe in Jesus 
so you can go to heaven, then the moment after you believe, you'd go. Well, we got a, we got a, a, there's a, there's a purpose to our life. Sure, when you give your life to Jesus, your future changes, your eternity changes, but your life in this world changes too. Your purpose changes here in this world too. You have a purpose to your life. It's beyond just getting to heaven. There's something to accomplish here and now, right here in this world. I actually believe that all of our purposes are exactly the same thing. They just work out differently. But if we all could accomplish this one purpose, which I'm about to reveal to you, (laughs) we would be moving in the right direction. And I believe this is the purpose for every single one of us. And maybe this will speak to some of you today who's thinking to yourself, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm here in this world to do. Well, here's the one purpose for all of us is to make our world a place where the people around us bloom. You got children? Make them bloom. You have a spouse? Make them bloom. You got a work environment? Co-workers? Make them bloom. Make them flourish. Make the people around you grow. That's the purpose to every single one of our lives. If you've been stepping on the people around you, you got to repent. You got to turn that life around. You got to begin to make those around you bloom. There's countless ways to accomplish this. You can write books, you can write songs, you can you can work a job. You can sing, you can countless ways you could be a mother and a father. Countless ways to make this one goal happen. But it's the singular goal for all of humanity. It's the heart's desire for all of humanity. Psalm 92 verse 13. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. What's a pastor's job? To make the people in his church bloom. To make the people in his city bloom. To go on missions and make those people flourish. That's the ultimate goal. Ezekiel 47, 12. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, they will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food uh, and their leaves for healing. Wow. Psalm 37, 18 through 19. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil time. In the days of famine, they will have abundance. God's desire is for us as a church in this city, in this place where we're located, when everything around us is going to famine, we would have abundance. That we would be a place where the city could come to and find abundance and flourish and bloom and grow. Amen, church? Another thing we got to do. we got to do this if we're going to be new wineskins. Is, is we Do not avoid your enemies. Jesus never avoided his enemies. And we should not either. Many scholars believe that when Jesus went and cleansed the temple that that was the straw that broke the camel's back, that made the religious leaders so angry 
that was the last thing. That's it. Jesus, we hate this guy. And, and that was it. That's what took the religious leaders to, to meet in, uh, privately and figure out a way to kill Jesus. He had already created these enemies. He already created em- enemies with the religious leaders. He had already created enemies many places where he went. Wouldn't it have been smart for Jesus to avoid Jerusalem? Wouldn't it have been smart for Jesus to avoid the temple? He's angry about what's happening in the temple. Oh, I'm angry about it. I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just going to walk a, a big circle around it. No, he went right into it. His enemies were in there. He started turning tables over and calling them money changers. And you've turned my house into a, a place of commerce. This is not what I desire. Jesus did not avoid his enemies. Jesus is meek and mild, of course. Soft, gentle, loving and kind, but he's also courageous. He has a zeal for the house of the Lord. And a meek and a mild Jesus is really an incomplete description everything that Jesus is. You know, fear will cause us to shrink back, stay silent when we should be speaking out. I'm not ashamed of the gospels and neither are you, are you? Let's speak out. Let's not be afraid. Safety is not our goal as Christians. A safe life is not our goal. We should be praying for courage. If you've been praying for safety, if you've been praying for more safety in your life, well, stop that. Stop doing that. Let me encourage you and challenge you. Pray for courage. Pray for opportunities to be bold for Jesus in the workplace. Pray for opportunities to share your faith in a dark place, in a scary place. Don't be scared. Pray for courage. We get scared about our lives, don't we? And then all that worry, what happens is, is that you'll make your life an idol. Maybe some of you caught that. You get, you get so nervous about your life, about your health, about everything happening in your world, you begin to make an idol out of life itself. But not a single person escapes this world alive. It's just fact. And, and if you make an idol out of your life, you might miss the very calling that God has for you, church. Hmm. We avoid our enemies, maybe because we're afraid. But thankfully, my Jesus demonstrated courage and taught courage to his followers. In order to be a new vessel for new wine in this new age, we must be brave for Jesus. Peter tried to tell Jesus to avoid his enemies. Let's not go there, Jesus. Let's not, let's not get into that situation, Jesus. Let's avoid our enemies, Jesus. And Peter was then called Satan. Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And the last thing we must do is we must take on the role of a servant. In the kingdom of God, there's no hierarchy of importance. The world loves excess wealth. The world desires power. But Jesus 
displayed servanthood. Jesus challenges our illusions of privilege today. In John chapter 13, there's a verse in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 3. Can you put just verse 3 up? Hannah, thank you. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Okay. Imagine the amazing power Jesus is feeling. Jesus knew that God had given him authority over everything. What's his next act? He washed his disciples' feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told you Jesus was humble. He was kind, gentle. He was a servant when he, he, he had authority over everything. What a verse. And what's his next act? He has all these eternal emotions of, of authority and power. And he's about to be glorified. He's about to take his rightful place behind the, beside the Father. And all this is coming up inside of him. And what does he do? He washes his disciples' feet. And he tells us to do the exact same thing today. The thought of being a servant for Jesus sounds wonderful until somebody treats us like a servant. But those who desire to serve are the ones who will experience new wine today. Let's stand to our feet, church. I want to worship with you a little bit.